Hey folks, Brian here. In my House of X-induced mania, I accidentally said, or Powers of 10-induced mania, rather, I said that R.B. Silva did the cover of the Six Days OGN. It's actually R.M. Guerra, which I should have known because it's obviously his art. It's a beautiful cover, but like I said, Powers of 10-induced mania. So don't tweet at me. I know I messed that up. On to the show. As always, are my friends Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the DC Comics that are released on uh, August 14th, 2019. We just want to note, this is a very small week this week because of a weird uh, situation with, with some covers. Zach, want to uh, illuminate our listeners about this? Yeah, so basically Superman 14 and Supergirl 33, which were supposed to come out this week, um, were... Uh, shops were sent books, but D- DC requested that they destroy all copies um, because the they are to be re-released later with different covers. And so the covers that they were shipped with had um, Year of the Villain, Dark Gift branding on them. Um, the Superman cover has... Uh, Apex Predator, Lex making the moves on Lois, and then um, Supergirl has Brainiac. And um, apparently those covers were not reflective of the contents, which... Hasn't stopped them before. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't realize it mattered. But um, yeah, so um, your shop's may have those issues and if you have an in you might be able to get a hold of them and sell them on ebay for lots of dollars um but superman 14 will is rescheduled to august 28th and supergirl 33 on september 4th what's up do we read anything into this nah i i heard that actually both of these issues had a um Jeffrey Epstein, Dark Gifts Backup. <laughs> did Hillary so wait, Clinton tell you that? I was, I was just going to say, <laughs> did the Clintons order this issue to be, issue to be destroyed? <laughs> no comment. Um, I was going to say I'm bummed because this is the... I, I think the Legion is supposed to show up in this issue, or is it the next one? No, I believe it's this one. Okay, yeah, got to wait two more weeks for my Legion goodness. Um, I, 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 my initial thought was like, oh, I hope this doesn't affect Millennium, which is coming next month, I think. Um, I believe but so. Yes. Doesn't I, it? Doesn't look like it will. Yeah, it's. It, it, I think it's it's strictly a matter of having to reprint what has already been printed, mm-hmm. and so it's not like they're waiting on art changes or anything like that. Right. But who knows? Who knows? So anyway, because of that, we have we have a slightly more limited 
selection to deal with this week for books, but we still have five books. We we feel like we have a lot of things to talk about. Actually, I'm I'm I am particularly excited this week to talk about some of these books we haven't talked about in a little while. So um, why don't we start with Event Leviathan number three? Uh, is this book on schedule? By the way, I I was thinking about this before. I can't tell if this book is is running late or not. I feel like it's been a while since I've read one, but I, I think it's on schedule, right? Plot-wise, it's not. <laughs> well, that's a whole other story, my dude. Um, anyway, this issue... I, I think it is. I, th- I think it's been pretty regular. It just it just, it feels irregular in, in the reading to me. Yeah. Um, anyway, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Alex Maleev. So this issue did a couple of things I, I liked, but this is the most cliche Bendis issue we've gotten at DC so far. Mm, Correct? Yeah. No, yeah. There are some major groans. Uh, Every time Plastic Man opens his mouth, I groaned. There is also some really bad dialogue. Um, Noise. (laughs) Not even referring to that. Uh, (laughs) There's a conversation between Lois and uh, Jason where she says, why not ask the government themselves? And he says... Are you asking me hypothetically? Like, ugh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> there are a bunch of things like that in this issue. There's people talking way too cute for the situation that they're in. Um, and, uh, and also just talking too much because, like, I, we're three issues in and they're still st- all standing around going, like, Boy, who uh, tell us again why you think Jason Todd is Leviathan? <laughs> like Green Arrow literally asked Damien that three issues into a six issue yep. event miniseries. Now, granted, in the plot of the story, they still don't know who Leviathan is. So, like, sure, questions like that make sense. But as a reader, do I want to read? I, I don't necessarily need them to have figured out the mystery by now, three issues in. But let's not have them just all standing around in a room still talking about it, you know? Let's point to House of X number two, where <laughs> it is part three in a 12-part series, and it drops a gigantic bombshell right in the middle of it and just kind of lets you deal with it. It's almost unfair to to compare like what you get here um for your 399 to like what you get over there for your 499 in the in the Hickman X books right now. Wait a minute. Are you saying that there's not a line of dialogue in Powers of 10 that sounds like this? <laughs> Where here? Here here. Amanda Waller was in this room? Yes. Recently? <laughs> That's the thing about Bendis event writing that bugs me so much. Characters are at once treating everything very lackadaisical and like, you know, they have like pithy, sarcastic responses to everything, but then the tiniest detail also blows all of their minds. Yes. You know, this is a panel. This is the dialogue in one panel in our line of work Define good. Seriously. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel like I'm reading like an Ouroboros of Tom King and, and Brian Michael Bendis eating one another. Uh, um, okay. Oh, sorry. I, I just got to do one more line of dialogue here. 
Yeah. Uh, Amanda Waller says to Leviathan, I know who you are. And Leviathan says, Bluffy Bluffer. No, you don't. <laughs> the famous phrase, Bluffy Bluffer, yes. that we all know and love. A phrase, is, a phrase so common you can't walk down the street without hearing somebody say, Bluffy Bluffer. Bluffy Bluffer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, not to be unfair to, to Bendis, we have genuinely liked if not loved most of what he's done at DC so far. Right. To my, to my very personal surprise, because this is more what I expected from Bendis after all this time. And I have to just chalk it up at this point to, I will never enjoy event comic Bendis, I guess, because as soon as he starts writing an event, they're all like this. It's, end of the world, end of everything stakes, and then a bunch of characters just standing around jerking off talking about it. And an eight-page fight scene that shows how Jason kicked all of their asses where he plays coy about being... Like, they're asking him whether he's Leviathan, and he can't give him a straight answer because Bendis, right? (laughs) And then at the end, he's like, well, no, I'm not Leviathan. Like, okay, then what was all this playing coy stuff? Like, why? Literally no reason to be doing that. He basically Uh, says, like, it never works out well for the Patsy. Right. Well, like, why not? I I guess in an effort to waste 10 pages of comic booking, you have him jump off the roof and try to escape the Bat family instead of just saying, no, I'm not Leviathan. Can we talk about this? You know, like... I, I don't know. I don't know. And 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 Alex Maleev, okay. I like Alex Maleev's art, like just to look at it. But a, a common complaint that you see, I think, from his comics sometimes is that like a lot of it is very, t- and it's because he gets paired with Bendis, right? Like a lot of it is very like talky headshots, you know, like um kind of like camera A, camera B, like between characters type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know. Like, I can't I, I can't blame that on him when the writer does an issue like this that doesn't showcase how good he can be. The double-page spread of the Bat family fighting Jason jumping off the roof is like a pretty good double-page action-y spread, right? Yeah. Sure. He's just never given a chance to do a lot of that. And so I really can't, I don't have much to say about the art because the issue is what it is, you know? Yeah. I'll I'll say, I do think that this is like maybe artistically the best issue so far. Um, It's, it's pretty dynamic for all of the talking head stuff. Like the, the action sequence is pretty good. Um, And I really, I really like that panel or that, it's like the two paces, the two pages with uh, each having nine grid, nine panel grid. So it's like an 18 panel grid. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty good. Um, that splash page you mentioned, that's kind of like segmented by panels, but it's all one image is really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> can I, can I, there was one thing I really liked in this issue, and I'm sure it's probably the one thing we all really liked. Um, the the bit with Damien finding 
Waller's uh, spy device thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like that that scene and segment was good. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, there's uh, this I, this series is pretty disappointing so far. I just have a real problem with. Almost everything else Bendis is doing at DC feels more important than this event. Yeah, this doesn't feel important at all, actually. No, No, I mean, we're three issues in and we and and it's. I I guess one of the things that Bendis does in his event is he'll have the artist show you a big like double page spread of a building in ruins. And that's supposed to tell you how big and important everything is. But then the rest of the the comic seems content to have the heroes like bantering and taking their time and not really, you know, this kind of back and forth nonsense dialogue, not giving them a whole lot of action to do in relation to the threat at hand or the, the, you know, the end of everything. It feels intimate in a bad way, in, in a way ill fitting for what the story's supposed to be. We're three issues in and we still don't have any sense of how like the outside world is dealing with this. Now I know it's supposed to be, it's supposed to have been like less than 24 hours since this has happened. And it's also stuff to be fair that like is pretty clandestine. So the average person may not even be aware it's happening. Yes, absolutely. But we don't even get a sense of like outside of this group of here. Like again, maybe they're the only ones that know, but like then I don't know. Then the then the threat doesn't seem as serious as it maybe should or or something. Something is missing. And then when you consider that like Babs maybe getting sucked into this was supposed to be a major plot point and now we haven't seen her since. Yeah. That's just one example of something that I feel like is being underdelivered on this idea that like some of the heroes might join Leviathan or some of them would get wrapped up in this None of that has played out yet, and now you've only got three issues left. It just... Something is off about this. This doesn't feel like an event. It feels like a status quo establisher. Like, this... this, That's a good call. This isn't an... It's not an event. It's a it's it's a mini series, and I think if you look at it that way, maybe it is about just like checking expectations. This feels a lot more like if I'm going to compare it to Bendis's Marvel work, this is like Secret War. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I will say that I, I enjoyed the little Superman tag at the end. Yeah. Right, right, because it's getting back to I mean that's we really enjoyed the event Leviathan special. Yeah. And now we're getting back around to that three issues later. Right, yeah. So Yeah. And it, it's just weird. It it seemed like this even feels really oddly detached from action comics right now, which I expected those to be a little bit more closely tied. Yeah, that seemed like it was going to be the one through line, maybe. Right. Um, yeah, it it is really strange. It, it almost seems more like if this is just something to establish a status quo, it might have been better to just accomplish the whole story and maybe something like 
the like an oversized special like the the event leviathan thing or even make this just like two oversized things like the the millennium project mm-hmm. is going to be right um, or, or even just do it in action comics like i don't think there's sure, a rule that yeah. you don't, that you need a separate event for this sort of stuff oh, i think bendis made that rule that is probably true what am i saying <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i mean i I know I, they I have understand. to. Yeah. I know they have to sell comics and everything, but like, <laughs> this just just isn't. This is this is what I mean. This is what I meant when like Bendis was coming over, and I had some reservations. It's comics like this versus comics like his Superman, which I think has been, you know, for the most part, pretty outstanding. Um, this is just not the way I prefer my my comics to be because it feels so small when you've got this incredible medium and a, and a rich history to draw upon, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 what the, I didn't really think about this until Zach just brought it up a minute ago, but now I'm sitting here thinking about it. I think more might have happened plot-wise in the event Leviathan special <laughs> yeah. than happened in these three issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, honestly. And that's a pretty crazy thing to to say but i i think i i think that's the truth <laughs> well yeah because i mean yeah like clark got kidnapped they fought leviathan clark escaped like all of that happened in one issue whereas i feel like it, that easily you know could have been stretched into three or four issues as this is and I, and I don't want to say that, like, for me, this is all about how much plot they did or didn't jam into an issue. But, like, if if you're not going to move the plot along at a faster pace, then you've got to fill it with characters or theme. But right. what are you exactly? Fill, what, yes. Yeah. Yes. What are you filling it with instead? Like superfluous dialogue and. <laughs> and just just jacking around, you know, <laughs> like. It's not do it's not it's not doing either of the things that a story right. should do. I don't think. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Like and I do think what Zach said has some merit in terms of if this is a status quo shift, we'll look back on this differently, you know, a year, two years, whatever from now. And that's fine. I am I am totally fine with being with looking back on this more fondly than I'm looking at it, you know, when it's happening. But I just feel like to to justify the event, to justify the cost, to justify its existence, it needs to do something. Yeah. And I just feel like it's doing nothing right now. Well, that's that's kind of always the story with Bendis, though. Like with his events, there was always like, oh, well, wait till you see what wait till you see what comes out of this. Okay, well, that doesn't make the original six issues. A satisfying read then even if this is like a status quo table setter um there's ways to accomplish that that are aesthetically pleasing and don't feel like they're wasting your time and uh i this this feels like it's wasting my time yeah any other thoughts on the book a uh, new name, Crimson Coward. No, nothing. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, 
Well, that brings us to Hawkman. Hawkman number 15, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Pat Olaf. First of all, love me some shade. <laughs> I knew you'd, I knew you would, uh, your ears would prick up at this one. Love the even more a, a, a like very, very clear reference to Starman. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, with 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 Shade's uh, partner, the lovely uh, uh, Odair. What is her name? Hope. Mm-hmm. Hope. Yeah, Hope. Hope, Hope, Hope Odair. Um, and uh, you know, I also feel like this was a a villains month tie-in or villains month. Goodness gracious, a year of the villain tie-in <laughs> that um that didn't focus on the offer. That focused on just the villain doing shit, and that's way better for me. We've yeah. seen enough of these offers. What do you guys think of this issue, Zach? Why don't you go first? I I like this issue a lot. Um, I I thought the art was really good for it fit the the story well. Um, yeah, I love having Shade show up. Um, there's there's almost kind of like a Silver Age tone to this. Um, For sure. A big, big Silver Age uh, tone, you know, to like kind of elaborate. Um, so Carter is fighting the Shadow Thief, and so he goes to see Shade, and Shade realizes that Carter doesn't have a shadow. And so he takes them to this panic room that's all lit up so that there can't be shadows um, because it's just like so bright, it's impossible to have shadows to prevent the shadow thief from finding them. But Shade opens his mouth, which he didn't (laughs) plan on, which forms a shadow in his mouth, allowing the shadow thief to come in and steal his shadow. Yeah. I love that so much. It's delightful, yeah. It's also yeah. just really clever writing. Like, I don't know if I would have ever thought about my uh, mouth casting a shadow. Right. Yeah. Just well done, Venditti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's also, you know, Rebirth kind of spoke to this promise a little bit more at the beginning and now i feel like we've seen a little bit less of it probably because of delays of certain books but um you know we get references to uh carter's past lives interacting with the shade and the shade being a a figure in the dcu for a long time referencing starman stuff past continuity um Mm -hmm. even even like even like uh golden age stuff yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It um it kind of makes me really hopeful. You know, I hope Venditti has been doing a really good job on this book and I I hope that you know maybe once all the Doomsday Clock stuff shakes out and JSA is on the table again, Venditti'll get to explore a little bit of that. Um that is kind of I I guess like well trodden ground for Hawkman comics, especially like 
around you know the mid 2000s there was a lot of interplay between jsa and, and hawkman because uh johns was writing them both but that stuff is still a lot of fun and and i'd, I'd like to see venditti get a stab at that Ooh, Vin, venditti could be a dark horse uh candidate for writing a jsa book now that i think about it yeah absolutely he, yeah. he he's writing like he writes he writes historical stuff from time to time both at dc and out outside and you know at dc he's doing that like i can't remember the name of it the oh the freedom fighters but yep. yeah. yeah yeah and that that's you know that's up his alley so i could to- just, i could totally see that i i do want to toss this out there because this is a uh this is a dc podcast and it's a dc book we didn't talk about at all because it's an OGN, but I just read Six Days, his World War II OGN, mm. the nonfiction one, which was fantastic. Hmm. Oh. Did not expect to, to love it as much as I did. Really beautiful artwork, a really well-told story. Amazing. Who who, uh, who did the art? R.B. Silva? No, sorry. Whoa. Sil- no, oh. so, no, sorry. Silva did the cover for it. Um, oh, my gosh, Brian. Is it Kevin Coley? I think it's Giuseppe Kevin Coley. Okay. Now, I just reviewed it like a week ago. I should know this. Um, I think I've got it here. Um, no, on Andrea. Oh, Mude, Moody? Andrea Moody. Yes, Moody. Okay. Oh, did fantastic work. Okay. Yes. Nice. Uh, so anyway, I agree with you. He'd be a good. He'd be a good. Uh, a good JSA writer for sure. Um. Yeah, I you know I do want to say um, Olaf's art for the most part I enjoyed. Some of his face work wasn't great. There were a lot of like uh, shade and uh, and uh, Carter faces that just kind of fade into nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, but but that's that's sort of his style. And I thought overall it fit the tone of the book really well, even if I thought that some of it was a little bit inconsistent. Uh, also, a billion nut faces in this book. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I think in that way, um, he's he kind of reminded me of uh, um, of like a, a dime store version of Scott Collins. You know, I can pretty see sim- that. Pretty similar to Collins, but a little rougher around the edges. I was gonna say a, a dime store um, JRJR too at times. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sure. But definitely effective at at telling a story. Yes, which is obviously the most important thing. Yeah, this part where like uh, Carter is bashing around uh, the Shades porno room with his mace <laughs> was pretty good. The the mirror room that, where yeah. he goes to jack off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He says, "I, I'm. This room is intended for me to use alone." Yep. So you know what that means. He, does, he doesn't want the shadow thief to steal his seed. <laughs> oh boy! It was right there for for us. Come on. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh. <laughs> um. Any other thoughts yeah. on this? No, it was surprisingly enjoyable. It was great. Yeah, I, I really, I really dug it, and I'm glad this is the start of an arc because I'm looking forward to more of these stories. 
Yeah. And again, Agreed. this is a good year of the villain tie-in that didn't feel the need to just be about the villain getting the offer from Lex. Right. So. I wonder how many of these, because, I mean, to be fair, like, the Justice League Odyssey book we're about to talk about is also labeled as year of the villain and isn't really either. Um, no, I mean, I, I feel like everything this month was labeled with that dark gifts thing, whether yeah. it whether it really warranted or not. Yeah. Yeah. It'll make for a weird reading when all of us in 20 years get our year of the villain Omnibuy. <laughs> Boy. But anyway, uh. let's get to Justice League uh, Odyssey, written by our pal Dan Abnett, illustrated by Will Conrad. Um, have we determined which Will Conrad this is? I uh, I think it's the good Will Conrad. This was the good Will Conrad. Yeah, I believe this is the good Will Conrad, folks. Mark which is weird. Calendars. Which is weird because the bad Will Conrad has also been on this very. Yes, book. he has. You're right. You are right about that. Um, <laughs> so uh, this book, this is the first issue of this book that I feel like does anything. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't and necessarily love what it does, but I was just so happy it was doing something. It it does something, and I haven't read this book in several months, so I I don't know what's been happening. Um, Nothing, man. But yeah, well, I feel like this issue finally sells me on this whole like making Cyborg, Azrael, and Starfire gods or whatever because you know, it's revealed that it's all part of this new creation myth that Darkseid has concocted, which is an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wish that we got there, um, you know, earlier than the first, the you know, the end of the first year of the series. Right. right. Well, if you haven't read in a while, it, it really feels like each of the last three or so issues were like dark side threatening to a- activate the sepulchre and then, uh, or the sepulchre, however you say that. Sepul- um, what is it? Sepuku. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sufjan Stevens. Yes. Um, no, but Subaru and that, yep. Subaru. <laughs> yep. He called me Subaru. Um, but, uh, you know, it just felt like, you know the the threat was imminent, and then it wouldn't happen, and then not much not much else really happened. Oh, they're fighting uh, Darkseid's minions for a little bit, uh, and you know just a lot of threats and not a heck of a lot of like plot moving forward. And then finally, this issue hits, and you 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 get the the um, activation of Darkseid's like contingency universe, and you get the role that each of these people are playing and you get a little bit of development for Jessica Cruz as somebody who doesn't have a role in dark sides vision. Um, kind of like the unaccounted for variable, you know, and all of that, every, every bit of that is actually really interesting. Um, I think dark side himself is written pretty well here too. I th- it's, you know, not to compare dark side to, Thanos for like the millionth time but this really does this feels like the Thanos from the MCU where where like 
everybody's just in his grasp and he's so like overly confident that whatever the next move he makes is going to be the right one. And, and that no, you know, it's very much that attitude and, and, and swagger and very good dialogue to go along with that. You know, I like the line when he's talking, I think the stuff between him and Jess is really strong where he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, the girl who was once afraid to leave her house looking me in the eye and telling me to stop without the slightest means of enforcing that demand. You know, it's, it's that good, like toothsome villainy dialogue that I feel like, like dark side should be so good for, but because they've been kind of delaying the plot of this, they, they haven't really gotten to like full, like God mode dark side, you know? On this, that this... note, we should also lament the end of stupid, sexy dark side. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm glad i'm glad for that too that that was kind of uh i i don't know what caused this to to fall apart and get get josh williamson off of it and and um sufyan was supposed to draw this too for a while and then there was a <laughs> not sufyan step right yes yeah um if Sufjan Stevens drew it, it would just be everyone would have a hat being worn the wrong way. Yeah, and it'd be a lot of neon electrical tape yeah. mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, but and a disco ball. Uh, <laughs> but but I just think like you know this book took a really weird path to get to where we are. I'm fairly certain much of this plot did not happen the way that it was originally intended. But this issue in a vacuum pretty darn good i thought pretty pretty good pretty good um jess gets hit by omega beams which could also be omega sanction so we could be getting one of those kinds of stories for her she's dead we'll never see her again she could be (laughs) no wouldn't that be well okay so i I had a thought on that where meaningful deaths like almost never happen in superhero comics anymore. But I think that if maybe a little bit more, I I think Abnett almost has a meaningful death here for Jess to where if she actually, if there had been a little bit more pomp around it, I guess like, this could have been a like big tragic like universe defining death i think you know what i mean like in sure. in kind of the old the old way yeah I mean, it's I very so. different circumstances but it reminded me of the flame on uh, yes. moment with yes. uh, johnny storm just oh, you know, man. just you 100%. know like 100% insurmountable yes. odds but you're not giving up fuck it flame on here we go Right, which that is newer, and he didn't actually die, but it no, is. But that was a it moment. It does that, feel like that, yeah. That moment felt very big something. at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was huge, and we didn't know he was going to come back. I mean, again, like death means nothing in comics now, but this is almost that, and and that's yeah, that's a good example to kind of articulate what I was trying to say. Um, I, uh, I'm really curious what's left for this book 
Because on one hand, like when this book started, there was a clear like objective to it. And I feel like the the loss of Williamson and the delays and all of that led to the objective being obscured a little bit. But once these characters are out in space with Darkseid, you can't just say like, oh, the Justice League beacon went off and they're back now. Like you had to <laughs> you had to take the story to its conclusion to a certain degree. But now that it's reached this sort of it seems like this is the beginning of of the end of this first big arc. Do we think there's a future for this book, or is it at this point just tying up the loose ends and finishing up the storyline and then moving on? I I don't know. I really thought that this book would be done with twelve issues with the way it was going. Um, yeah. Right now, it's solicited through fifteen, with no end in sight necessarily. Um, if it, if it's if it's canceled, it'll be canceled with eighteen. They always cancel on sixes. On on sixes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't know if it'll be canceled at eighteen or not, but I do think that there's. I do think that there's legitimate dovetailing to be done with Snyder's Justice League. And it's kind of interesting to think about the way that Justice League Dark is playing out as well. Because these books were kind of launched at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think wasn't JLO a little late because it got delayed? Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but but they were spo- they were effectively part of the same launch. And it was supposed to be if if I remember correctly, it was that Brainiac 5 was a part of it, and they did not like how Brainiac 5 was being handled in the book, and so that's why it was delayed. They had to write Brainiac out of the book. Okay, that makes sense. Um, But on that token, don't you guys feel like Justice League Dark has been kind of doing the same thing where, like... So remember, like, the Upside Down Man or whatever that thing is called yes how it got introduced it got introduced in like the first issue and it's been looming in the background ever since and now we're now we're more than a dozen issues into that and they really haven't reckoned with that yet (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and they keep alluding to it and i think like in one of the previous issues wonder woman was just finally like and we shall be called the Justice League Dark, you know? And like, <laughs> okay, we're, we're 11, 12 issues into this. So it, it almost feels like both of these books, we've speculated that, you know, maybe Snyder's Justice League was a little bit of like a, a play for time in the grand scheme of Rebirth uh, timeline. And that maybe it's, leaving a little bit of room for play to get, you know, maybe doomsday clock or some of these other events up to where they need to be. Did you see that it got pushed again? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, doomsday <laughs> clock. Yeah. Um, I saw Shazam. Uh, next issue of Shazam is pushed again. Yeah. It's uh, Shazam I'm that is now, book. That issue of Shazam has now been delayed. I believe it's eight times and that's not even yeah. a joke. Um, so, so Doomsday Clock, most recently it it is now coming out September 4th. I believe it was supposed to come out this month at one point. Oh my Um, God. Originally solicited for May 22nd. Okay. 
And that was solicited. That's not even the original. Like, it, first it was going to be monthly, and then it yeah. was going to be bi-monthly, yeah. and they weren't going to break that. They said that they respected their audience too much to break that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and issue 12 has still never been solicited. Correct. Oh, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be January <laughs> or February. There's no way it's coming out this year. <laughs> <laughs> what's weird though so so and this is a tangent we're on right now but at some point don't we have to start blaming johns for this oh i think the blame is all on him at this point it it has to be i can't yeah. see it being an artist issue i mean gary frank is very slow he's very slow and i i you could but this is the only thing he's doing he's been doing it for a long time and we're seeing the same issues with Shazam. Right. And, and I don't think Eaglesham or, um, who, who's the other artist that's, well, been... they, they've had like three or four artists now. San, Santucci and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I think there's no excuse for that book to be slow artistically. I'm, uh, I'm everybody who replies to, to the comments when a doomsday clock delay gets announced with like, just get Brett Booth to finish the. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that there are people that like. Look, I'm not the biggest Doomsday Clock fan in the world, of course, but like, how are you a fan of comics and you and you're like, just let anybody finish it. Like that you don't. Want, they've come this far and you don't care whether Gary Frank finishes it or not. Like, what does that oh, say about you? You know, because right, so people who... only care about writers. Yeah. yeah, and they only care about the plot. It's Who like Walt be... said, Walt, Walt yeah. Richardson, friend of the show. It's all plot, plot, plot with people. Like it is, yeah, one hundred percent. Says the it's guy like, who was doing read a book. Yeah, <laughs> says the guy who was doing his uh, countdown to Final Crisis recaps that are just plot recaps. <laughs> I bust his balls about that all the time. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's what I, that's what I'm doing with the One Piece too. I don't I don't know how. That's what I'm doing with Shazam too. It's like if, if you're reviewing that many issues, you kind of have to just. Uh, Give a very broad overview of what you're talking about, right? Um, because yeah, yeah, but not well, a so, lot of depth so there. Here's my question: Is is Brett Booth the least simpatico artist that can finish that book? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Or is there one more? I don't know. No, I mean that's that's just uh, the... Philip Tan. Philip Tan. Ooh, Philip Tan's pretty bad. Um, it is funny. Like, obviously, no. I like 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 Gary Frank do it. It would be absurd to have a fill-in artist at this point. And also, I don't think art is the issue. But I think about like kind of maybe the most infamous DC event in recent memory that had art issues, and it uh, it was Final Crisis, mm -hmm. and how that book went from JG Jones to doug monkey and like doug mm. monkey like saved that book and yep yep and just totally delivered <laughs> we're, yep. gonna to, we're, we're gonna take a break in a minute we gotta talk about that something off air about that oh boy okay um, but anything else to say about justice the goddessy uh, this issue was interesting i expect it to be a a lone oasis Yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in a minute.
Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with The Flash number 76, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. Um, this is the uh, the first issue since the oversized number 75, which teased a bunch of uh, future stories. This also brings back, um, I'm going to blank on her name because I can never remember it, The Flash of China. Avery. Avery, yes. Um, and some classic uh, Flash villains, Girder and, uh, <laughs> uh, what is his name? Tar Pit. Tar, Tar Pit, Pit. yeah. Yep. So, you know, uh, I, I, w- I want Vince to start this one. Vince, tell us what you thought about this issue. I liked it. Um, I think it was a nice breather sort of an issue. Uh, you, you said earlier, I think, I don't know if it was on the show or, or, or off air about how this tied into the dark gifts stuff, but, um, not until the very end mm-hmm. or maybe that, maybe that was about wonder woman, but it, it was applies, about wonder woman. Yes. Uh, it applies to this issue too, though. Doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. You see the you don't see the rogues really until near the end, maybe seventy five percent of the way through, and you only get a couple pages with them, and uh, with their new powers or whatever. Um, but I liked that. I liked that half of the issue was Barry trying to reestablish himself with the other speedsters after letting them down, you know, and um, showing off the new speed lab and the new Flash Museum. All really nice, quiet moments that you want to see every once in a while in a Flash comic, right? Um, To that point, there was a particular line of dialogue here that that made me wish that DC felt like they could do something a little bit different in their publishing line. But basically, on one of the first few pages, Wallace says... uh, we've been taking on the rogues all week on our own. And I wish there was a comic that showed you that, (laughs) you know, like this comic is very much from Barry's perspective. So we don't know that's happening until Barry rushes in. Right. Mm -hmm. What if there was a flash family comic or like a more general flash book or even a, a kid flash or a speed force or whatever you want to call it book that actually showed you it from the perspective of these kids. You know, um, it's the kind of thing that DC used to do back before 30 of the 50 books they published were bat books. Um, it reminds me of like, you know, at one time there were like five or six Green Lantern titles going at one time. You would think that they would be able to put another flash book out and maybe have it be about Wallace and Avery or whatever, you know, but, but a line of dialogue like that teases the mind into into wanting a book that actually is about these characters you know 
Um, but I thought this issue did a nice job of catching up with them. And, uh, and it did a nice job setting up for the the death of the speed force thing and a good explanation of like all these other forces that are popping up are having an adverse effect on the speed force, uh, which I kind of like as a concept. Yes. I I like that there was a reason for the death of the speed force. I feel like a lot of times with these events, event is the wrong word with these, like, um, you know, storylines, you spend half of the, um, half of the six issues or whatever, trying to figure out why the speed force is dying and then you mm-hmm. spend three issues trying to stop the speed force from dying i feel like i like that this is right off the bat we know why the speed force is dying yeah yeah um zach what'd you think of the issue um i liked the rafa sandoval art um although there were a couple panels with barry that were like very, he was just very grinny, if that makes sense. Like he was just all teeth. <laughs> like, um, like look at the both the fifth page and sixth page of our PDFs. Like, just look at look at those pages. Yeah. 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 Uh, that that was kind of weird. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I liked. Um, I liked how they uh, jumped through the painting Super Mario 64 style to get to the Flash Cave. Um, I get that reference. Yeah. Um, oh, Brian, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I really do like Black Flash a lot. Yeah. Mm, another another Morrison Miller special. Uh huh. Yeah, and it and he looks it looks so good here. It's so fun. Like it, I. I really hope they're not killing off this new character literally one issue after he was introduced. <laughs> Steadfast. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm into this arc. Uh, I thought, I thought Barry's characterization was a, a little strange here. He was like weirdly just like hyper and giddy. He's trying uh, too hard. He's trying. Yeah. He's trying yeah. really hard. Um, and and maybe that will come to pay off in an int- interesting way. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm interested to see where this goes. Got to get to 100. Yeah, I agree. one way or another. <laughs> uh, I think that this this issue, in a way, is a more effective summation of what has been happening in the Flash than the number 75 issue, which had a bunch of those little stories in it. Like mm. this brings back the rogues. It brings back the different forces. It brings back Wallace. It brings back Avery. It br- it references like him and Iris being apart right now. I feel like this did a really nice job of of touching on a lot of little parts of the first seventy five issues without it feeling like it was a recap issue. But it, mm-hmm. it, it sort of reminded you where everybody was and where all the moving pieces were to bring you into the next thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Love me some Black uh, Flash. Love the Rogues. Um, I I don't speeches. actually believe. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go for it. No, go. I was gonna say I don't actually believe that Star Labs has a a device that can separate Tar Pit and <laughs> uh, they they're stuck together. There's there's yeah. in a landfill and uh, <laughs> yeah. calling it a day. 
It's like, oh, 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 yeah, they'll they'll take care of that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, they go to a farm upstate again. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. I want to talk about the the rogues for just a second. Sure. Remember how remember how during the new fifty two they made a big deal about making the rogues have organic powers yes. so that they yeah. weren't com- they weren't coming from like silly little guns or whatever. They're kind of doing that again, <laughs> but they're making it part of the like the Lex Luthor gift, right? Um, so I don't know how to feel. I mean, I'm sure it's all going to be undone eventually. I I never minded too much when they did. I I like the guns because it's part of the like kitschy, yes, kitschy aspects of of old superhero comics. But like, it doesn't really hamper my enjoyment if the cold is coming out of his hands versus some weird little pistol you know see my whole thing with the rogues is that the rogues aren't really the rogues don't want to kill barry the rogues just want to do their thing yeah they just love doing crimes exactly they just want to survive doing their crimes and so i feel like Light treason. <laughs> exactly, yes. Some light treason. So uh, what I feel like is like having them just have guns and all that, it just kind of shows that they're people who kind of walked backwards into being criminals. You know what I mean? It's not like sure. these are hardened people who had all these terrible things happen to them. No, they just want to kind of – they just want to rob some banks. And sure. I enjoy that aspect of the, of the rogues. So – I'd be sad if that went away. Um, am I the only one anytime when, when they hear Lex Luthor's gifts that I, 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 I hear every time Lex Luthor's gifts. And I just think <laughs> that he's just spamming some, just some, some memes, <laughs> some memes yeah. on, on Twitter. Yeah. What, what gifts does, does he like? He likes the one of uh, Robert Redford nodding. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he, he likes the blinking guy. The, yeah, yeah. Whenever Superman does something that's really good, and everyone's praising him on Twitter, he sends the the blinking guy gif. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He he really likes the Jack Nicholson like smiling and nodding. Oh <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he likes the one where Pete Campbell from Mad Men slips down the steps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just because he's an asshole. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes watching it. He likes watching and laughing at it. Oh man, that's good. Good stuff. Yeah, gifts, gifts. <laughs> All right, that's the Flash. That is the Flash. Um. By the way, I believe it's as of January. All the books are going monthly again, right? Is that what they said? Oh yeah, yep. I think so, that's right. So he'll the Flash will be into the eighties by then. So it'll be like another solid two years before a hundred, hopefully. Wow. I hope I he hope, gets I hope there. He gets, yeah, yeah. I hope he. Yeah, he'll be the only one, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> Tom King's last words will be Josh Williamson survives, <laughs> like John Adams and and Thomas Jefferson. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah, anybody? All right. Uh, Tom King's gonna. Nah, I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. All right. Not gonna say it. All right. Rare restraint from. Uh, yeah. Mr. <laughs> it would have been bad. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, 
that brings us to our final issue of the night. Oh, before we do our final issue, let's do our list. Um, so on the good list this week, we had Collapser. On the okay list, we had uh, Batman and the Outsiders and Catwoman. On the bad list, we had Detective Comics. On the Sandman Universe list, we had House of Whispers. On the Walmart list, we had Batman Universe and Titans Burning Rage. And on the Dark Horse crossover list, of course, we have Black Hammer Justice League. Uh, all right, so back to Wonder Woman number 76, written by G. Willow Wilson, illustrated by Lee Garbett. Um, Zach, why don't you start us off with this one? Um, okay, so got some. we got some good Grail. Grail's back. <laughs> Grail's good again. Oh, um, was she ever? Um, this issue... Well, no, Grail, that was, sorry, I'm getting mixed up with last issue. Sorry, that was the last just, issue, yeah. That was the last issue. She's not back. She's actually gone again. <laughs> I read 75 and 76 back to back. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, Grail is back again. And no, again Grail's and gone. Yeah. No, she's bad. Um, <laughs> Veronica Kale is back again. Yep. She's and uh, still Diana's enemy. She's still Diana's enemy, but um, really, like, the fact that this issue actually goes there and lets her be reunited with her daughter, like sold the issue for me, because I feel like that's the kind of thing that comics bait you with um, that kind of um, emotional payoff, I guess. And, and the fact that Wilson actually let it happen is extremely refreshing to me. Yes, absolutely. And that's what's been so good about Wilson's run in particular, I think. I think uh, at every opportunity that she gets, she shows a perfect character moment for Diana, that she understands who Wonder Woman is perfectly, I think. And I think this issue had a ton of that. Um, you know, she starts off in, in Themyscira again, reunited with uh, her mom, and right away she has to go again, of course, to the world of men, right? Tale as old as time. And it's Song a, as old as rhyme. Yep. It's a choice she she knows she has to make because it's the right it's the right thing to do, and she always does the right thing. That's just that's who Wonder Woman is, and that sounds simple. It sounds simple to say that, right? But to like, I feel like throughout this issue, G. Willow Wilson calibrates all these moments just perfectly for Diana to go from one person to the next and kind of tie up these loose little ends, you know. Mm-hmm. And like the moment of grace that she shows to to her enemy to be able to reunite her with her daughter was fantastic. The stuff, the reuniting with Steve where like Aphrodite's looking on and and she's like, he's just some ordinary soldier. Like he seems, he seems entirely ordinary, you know? (laughs) And just the idea that like somebody like Diana follows her heart. Right. And then also perhaps a God from, you know, this, 
Amazonian paradise would come to earth and maybe just identify with an ordinary soldier, you know, like it can be something as simple as that, that gives you a window into who Diana is. And, and I feel like Wilson just gets it so much. And, uh, before I talk anymore, I want to, I want to talk about the art a lot, but Brian, I talk about the story. No, a little no, bit. Go for the art first. Okay. Lee Garbett. I, I don't know. Like, Garbett is a name that like comes and goes, never really sticks on a book for very long. Uh, he was on the um, I, not this current Lucifer relaunch, but the Lucifer relaunch from like two three years ago. Okay, he was and, the launching artist. And I think I think he also was the primary artist and was on all the way through on Al Ewing's Loki book. Okay, and was yeah, very good on that. Sure. That yeah, that could be. Um, not one of like the big names in comics, I feel, but but one of my like low key faves, going mm-hmm. all the way going all the way back to the um, Steph Brown Batgirl stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like the art here is this is this good mix of like uh, like a Kevin Wada style but also like there are times there are panels where maybe the 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 eye is pulled the eye of the artist is pulled back a little bit and he gets a little more minimalist where there's almost like a darwin cook feel sometimes that's a, that's some big praise there boy i i just mean like no I, like, i'm not disagreeing i think it's just it's a uh you know that's quite the thing to say about say about any artist Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's just, it only happens a few times, but there's like one panel with uh, Steve and Diana where they're, they're kind of shot from the middle distance and there's like a grin on Steve's face and his eyes are kind of that like minimalist, uh, just kind of slashes the way that Darwin Cook would kind of draw them. Mm -hmm. And it's so like, it's so stylistic but it's like it it perfectly gets and like steve's hair it's it's only like a few lines that cause like give it definition but it's all you need and i just feel like his his renderings of these characters are so interesting but like minimalist and classic like every character is walking around looking like they're classic versions and it's just really nice Really nice stuff. I enjoyed the art thoroughly. It doesn't do anything like crazy or special. It tells the story pretty straightforward. See, it, but it, it's very funny you say that. Okay. Because I felt this whole issue like it looked like the ex- almost the exact opposite of what you're saying. Where I feel like Diana never looked more 2019 than she does in this issue. Really. Like, between her hairstyling and like the weird thing they've been doing with her skirt lately, I feel like this is not and. The, this is not a classic Diana look at all. I think the art, I don't disagree with you in terms of like the, the physical draftsman work of the art, but I think that she's styled in a not at all classic Diana way. Mm, and maybe, maybe because I've been, I've been reading a ton of comics from the early to mid nineties lately. I feel like just the co- it's all about the costume looking not classic to me. This is very much the Gal Gadot costume. 
you know, okay. the New 52 costume. This doesn't feel like classic Diana to me at all. New Diana is way too skinny and uh, <laughs> and just, like, stylized very beautifully. Like, older Diana, not that she wasn't beautiful, but it was just that, like, you get the impression that she never thought about it back then, and now it looks like she spends an hour in front of the mirror. Okay, all right, yeah. okay. Um, so, yeah, I got a totally different vibe artistically from this, which is interesting. That uh, is interesting. I don't think that the art is particularly bad. I don't think it's particularly good either. I, th- I think it's perfectly crumpulent. <laughs> it's not It's not my favorite Wonder Woman art. I think there are a couple of panels that are really nice, but overall, I just think his art is uh, like the definition of fill-in art. Ooh. Mm. Oof. Oof. I just like this style. It's, it's, the, it's the style more than anything. It's... That villain style? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I think I skew closer to Vince here. As usual, I'm somewhere yeah. in the middle, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's not yeah. bad. It isn't bad. I, I should I'll, I'll slightly rephrase it. He's the definition of like good villain art. Mm. But I don't I don't think he does anything groundbreaking or stylistically all that interesting here. Sorry, sorry, Lee. <laughs> No, I agree with that. There's nothing like it's it's almost the same concept as well, I don't want to say that. Never mind. Forget I said anything. Man, okay. you are you are full of your uh <laughs> retractions tonight. You know, I'm keeping it in. I don't want to yeah. get I don't want to be yelled at. You're, you're looking at the other side of the glass and seeing Walter doing the slash sign across his neck. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I'll say about this issue that I, I really did like, well, first of all, again, I've been reading a lot of old Wonder Woman. I've recently read the War of the Gods crossover, mm. and that whole crossover begins because for the first time in hundreds of years, Themyscira is, you're able to pass between there and Earth, or and, and the mainland, whatever, Earth is the wrong way to put it, between the man's world and Themyscira. And so there are a lot of that, those vibes coming off this issue. A lot about you, women's world. What? What about the women's world? Uh, the magazine? World? The magazine you can get at the uh, grocery store? <laughs> at the checkout, yep. yeah. That my grandma used to get every week, yeah. What if that was the portal between Themyscira and <laughs> man's world? Uh, you better hope you don't pick up the weekly world news. That's a portal to a very <laughs> different place. Bad boy is real. Bad boy is very real. Um but yeah, so I, I definitely got some like some old school War of the Gods vibes here. I do also like the idea of Diana being able to at least temporarily go back and forth. I feel like that's never a plot point that lasts for too long. You know, eventually the gate gets gets closed again for whatever reason. But I think it's been a long time since we've seen that kind of a story. So I'm excited to see Wilson play in that um in that play in that playground a little bit longer. I think, you know, bringing Steve back there will be interesting. There's lots of good stuff that could happen within that story. Um, And I also like the idea of Diana being the hero who, like, who does what she says she's going to do. Like, she basically promises to reunite uh, Isidore and her mom. And even though this has been a, a very long time coming and there's been a lot of negative stuff and a lot of you know just 
trying to kill one another, essentially. Like, she still said, no, my goal was to get you back together, and I'm going to do that. And um, the mom, what's the mom's first name? Veronica. Veronica, yeah. Veronica says, like, uh, you're still my enemy when this is all over. And Diana says, you're still my enemy now. But then she, like, helps her get there. You know, just mm -hmm. it's really, really good Diana characterization. Yeah. Absolutely. That's all I got to say about that. All right, Forrest. Yeah. By the way, when I was at the movies last week seeing uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the guy next to me, I don't think he realized that he was unintentionally Forrest Gump cosplaying. He was wearing <laughs> like a, a short sleeve checkered shirt, plaid sh uh, khaki shorts, and a red uh, baseball cap. <laughs> okay. All right. And, uh, it wasn't a MAGA hat. Thank goodness. Okay. But. He was the... Uh... He was the forest from the Weird Al Gump video. Yes, of course. That is the second week in a row we have made a reference to a Weird Al video that 80% of our audience has never seen. <laughs> well, let's try to keep that going. Yeah. You know our fans love that. I hope when so. We do, when we do shit like that. Uh, and I hope our fans love Weird Al. He's a national treasure. Nay, an international treasure. <laughs> so, They're uh, be stupid. <laughs> Not the best Weird Al album, yes. Um, all right. Well, I, I've got my uh, my list here for what's coming out next week. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. We got we got Aquaman number fifty one. We have the facsimile edition of Batman uh, two thirty two. Oh hell guys. yeah! Get ready. You should read that. Which one is that? I'm looking up what the issue itself is. It's the daughter um, of the demon. Oh, yeah. Talia. If yeah. we get the PDF, we should read that. Bruce risks it all. Uh, Batman 77. Uh, let's see. Black Mask, Year of the Villain, number one. Oh, baby. Lucifer 11. Well, I'll be reading that, I'm sure. Nightwing Black 63. What? Black Mask is a Tom Taylor, Cully Hamner joint. Oh, baby. Just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. Uh, Nightwing 63. Still the Adventures of... Rick Grayson, <laughs> which means we're not reading it. Um, the conclusion of Pearl, the Bendis book you forgot was happening. Not you, my co-host, you, the listener, more than likely. Uh, we should we should maybe celebrate the uh, the Asreeling of Scooby Doo. Where are you? Which is his hundredth <laughs> issue next week. Oh, fantastic! Shally uh, Fish. Yep. We're, we're big Shally fans. We are. We're Shally heads over here. Um, Superman Year One Number Two. Yes. Oh baby. <laughs> uh, Superman. Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen Number Two. Ooh. Okay. Do you love Ooh. to see that? Teen Titans Thirty Three, and uh, Walmart Wonder Woman Number Two. Yeah. Uh, well, if you have thoughts about this episode or anything we talked about of course always tweet at us we got some really nice tweets this week by the way from folks um like in the show so thank you guys uh you can you can tweet at two-thirds of us uh i am at brian needs an app i am at wilker fox if you need to get in touch with vince he is currently buying the lee garbett fan club uh, url so that you know you can just find him his contact info will be on that website shortly And I guess that's it. So until next week, take care and uh, enjoy this game.
weren't enough infographics. i didn't know what was happening.